1: that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated opening your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to do a little bit of review from last week, and we're going to pick up where the Holy Ghost has for us today. And if you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can find my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. You can hit Uh, where it says Faith Christian Center for Overflow Part 2. Download and save those notes to your device and either add your notes as you go along or look at them at a later date. As always, you can get our messages on our podcast. We have it up there for free on our website as well so that you can grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? Amen? So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12 the Lord shall open unto you his good treasure. Say good treasure. Good treasure. The heaven to give rain unto your land in his season to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend unto many nations and shall not borrow. The word treasure is translated as we said before, a treasure house or a storehouse. One version says it's a well stocked storehouse. The message version calls it the sky vaults. So a storehouse is where you keep abundance. It's a storage facility or a warehouse for what you cannot currently store in your house. You know, most grocery stores have a warehouse somewhere. What they have on the shelves is not all that the company owns. There is a warehouse that has a system of delivery to the stores. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. Go to Psalm 31, verse 19. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. And as you're about to see in this verse, he doesn't want the things in the storehouse to stay up there till you get to heaven so you can enjoy it once you get there. It's supposed to be for you to enjoy now on earth. Psalm 31, verse 19 says, Oh, how great is thy goodness! And we can stop right there. Oh, yes, he is good. His mercy endures forever. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. That's all true, but that's not exactly what it's communicating here. This word great from the Hebrew means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. It means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. This word goodness means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme. So the Psalms is saying, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly is your good things, prosperity, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the father's extreme, which you have laid up or reserved for them that reverence and fear you. It's great that it's laid up in the storehouse, but it doesn't end there. Which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. God wants to take all that goodness he laid up in the storehouse with your name on it and pour it on you. Why? One of the things we learn from Ephesians 2, that for the rest of eternity, God's going to show off his grace on us. Why? You understand about God, he is a show off. He wants to show off his goodness. And what happens when he pours out his goodness on on your life and shows out in your life? People will want to know your God. How do you know that? The Bible says the goodness of God draws men to repentance. So when they observe God's goodness and mercy and kindness in your life, they want to know about your God. So this goodness is far beyond just finances. This storehouse is stocked full with every good thing you can imagine and that has been promised to you in the Scripture. So if you can imagine it, if it's good and it's in the Scripture, it's been laid up for you. Go to Psalm 23, verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, this is not talking about heaven, because your enemies aren't in heaven. Your enemies are here on the earth. So, God is preparing a table before you right in the middle of all your enemies and all your haters. So stop asking God to get rid of your haters. You need to have an audience for when God blesses you. Now, the thing is, the only reason you can feel comfortable sitting down at a feast when your enemies surround you is because you believe that the person who created the feast is strong enough to keep you safe. So you can sit back and enjoy the feast while God's got your back says, you anoint my hair with oil, my cup runs over. God is interested and wants his people to live and enjoy the overflow. Go to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Davon, if you give me those two water bottles next to you, and Leon, if you get those two right there. Thank you, sir. Luke 6, verse 38. It says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. The Living Bible says it this way. For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure. Press down, shaking together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. So it's not deep. It's very simple. If you give a water bottle amount, that's the harvest that's coming back to you. But now one bottle's not coming back to you. It's a good measure. Press down. You're going to get multiple. Whatever measure you give is coming back to you in abundance. So that's if you give a water bottle amount. What if you give a gallon amount? You have an abundance of gallons coming back to you. What if you give a bathtub amount? You have an abundance of bathtub amount coming back to you. Now Shamu doesn't live there anymore, but what if you take his old tank and filled it with water and gave that away? That's what you have coming back to you. Some people are saying this prosperity thing doesn't work. No, it does work. You just worked it on its lowest system, on its lowest level. He said, well, I've given my sanctified Baptist dollar. Where's my return? Your sanctified Baptist dollars came back to you. (laughs) You wonder, well, where is my abundance? You can't expect an abundant harvest if you're a stingy giver. We just read the scripture earlier. If you sow sparingly, you shall reap sparingly. It's not a question if you reap, it's a question what you reap. So if you don't like what you're reaping or you're harvesting, not just financially in any area, check with what you're sowing and check if you're sowing enough. A farmer is wise when well, he should be with what they sow, expecting a certain harvest. If you know there are going to be some days where you're going to need some extra mercy, sow extra mercy. Remember, we talked about last week, be intentional with your sewing. You said, oh, well, I'm believing for favor, sow some favor. Oh, I need some people to hook me up, help some other people out. Be intentional with your sewing, because with the same measure you give, it's coming back to you. We said this quote last week from Amy Simple McPherson. She said, all Jesus is looking for is someone who can reach up in heaven by faith feel around unto the treasure chest of God, and get out a treasure and bring it down here and give it to someone that can't get it on their own. All Jesus is looking for is someone who can reach up in heaven by faith, feel around unto the treasure chest of God, get out a treasure and bring it down here and give it to someone that can't get it on their own. God is looking for people who can use their faith, reach up into heaven's storehouse, and give it away. Think about this. If you're taking good things out of heaven's storehouse and giving it away, that's coming back to you. If you want to experience the overflow, you have to be givers. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Remember we said in that storehouse is stock with every good thing. God is looking for people who can go into heaven's storehouse
0: and give it all away.
1: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. That word comfort means to encourage. The New Living Translation says it this way, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. As we said, the word comfort means encourage. It comes from the Greek word parakaleo. In John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. The word comforter is parakle, which is a derivative of parakaleo. So what does that mean for us who don't speak Greek because I don't speak Greek? The Holy Spirit wants to encourage other people through you. We talk about the Holy Ghost as the comforter. Yes, he is. He's a strengthener. Yes, he is. He's a helper. Yes, he is. But he's also the encourager. Aren't you glad that God sent the encourager, not the condemner? The encourager, not the judger? The encourager, not the one who reminds you of all your past and your wrongdoings? See, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren, but it calls Holy Ghost the encourager. So when you look at your life, are you encouraging or are you accusing everybody? Who do you look like in the mirror? This encouragement is a heavenly treasure that the Holy Spirit wants you to give to others. As you sow encouragement, you'll reap encouragement. Go to Hebrews 3 verse 13. As you sow encouragement, you'll reap encouragement. Stop waiting for somebody to come and encourage you. You go encourage somebody else. Now, we don't think encouragement is a big deal in the Word of God, but it's a very big deal in the Word of God. And I'm going to show you from a number of scriptures this morning. Hebrews 3.13, the writer says, but exhort or encourage one another daily while it is called today. So encourage everyone every day. That's what it says. As long as when you wake up, it's today, you should encourage somebody. Hebrews 10.24 and 25, of the New Living Translation says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawn near. Two things it tells us to do when we notice that we're getting closer to the return of Jesus. Every day we're getting closer to the return of Jesus. Whether he comes back next year or hundred years from now, every day we're getting closer to the return of Jesus. What are two things we're to do? Come to church more often. Which means you're not supposed to come to church less. Well... I'm on a record, Pastor. I've come twice in like eight weeks. I am doing good for me. Well, that's great, but you need to come more often than that. What's the other thing? Encourage more people. When Jesus is getting even closer, encourage more people. Now, notice something about this. We're supposed to gather together and receive encouragement, which means one of the reasons the Holy Ghost designed the church was for it to be a place of encouragement. Church is not supposed to be a place where you get beaten up and thrown down and said that you're nothing, that you're a worthless dog. That's religion. The church is supposed to be a place where you get encouraged and built up. And such a negative society and such a bitter society and a society, everyone is fighting all over the news, all over social media. Everyone is negative. The church is supposed to be one that's encouraging and lifting people up. God wants us to be overflowing with encouragement, bringing encouraging words to those we meet. Proverbs 15, 23 says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in a due season. How good is it? Think about times someone has come across your path and encouraged you with exactly what you needed to hear at that right moment. You were going through, you were having a rough day, but someone came across your path and said exactly what you needed to hear. How good was it? How sweet was it? How needed was it? It's the power of encouragement. Go to Ephesians 429. Encouragement is a big deal with the Lord. Especially if he calls himself the encourager. Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The New Living Translation says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. God wants you to have encouraging words. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary, that is tired. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as a learned. If you spend time with God, God will give you encouraging words to share with others. He'll give you encouragement from the storehouse of heaven that you can pass out throughout the day. Because it will help those who are weary and those who are tired. He'll give you the right way in which to say it. Words that are exactly pertaining to what people are facing and going through. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Encouragement is a big deal to God. He wants us overflowing with encouragement, bringing encouragement to all those we meet. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort or encouragement. Why? I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation or pressure. Why? He goes on about. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side, with outward fightings, with inward fears. What's going on? Paul and his team walks into a situation, and there's trouble on every side. There's pressure everywhere. There's attack of the enemy everywhere to the point that it's trying to make them afraid. You have to realize that every attack of hell is designed to make you afraid. That's why you have to sing as you're saying today, I have no reason to fear. You have to push back against the fear the enemy sends your way. But what happened? How did God help Paul in this situation? Nevertheless, God, that comforts Or encourages those that are cast down comforted us or encouraged us by the coming of Titus that phrase cast down means discouraged depressed humiliated in circumstances so Paul says God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus when Titus showed up he brought God's encouragement with him when you show up do you bring encouragement or discouragement when you show up, are people happy? Oh, here comes encouragement. My day is getting brighter. Or when you show up, people are like, eh, it's time for me to go. Are you known to bring bad news wherever you go? Or do they know encouragement is light coming when you walk in the room? See, there's a man in the New Testament who embodied this encouragement. And the thing is, he's only a secondary character in the narrative of the New Testament. But he embodied this type of Holy Ghost encouragement. To the point that without him, we would not have two-thirds of the New Testament. He didn't write it, but if he wasn't used by God in this encouraging way, we wouldn't have over two-thirds of the New Testament. His name was Joseph. Now, not Joseph, the one God chose to raise Jesus on the earth, but another one. Go to Acts chapter 4. Without this Joseph, we wouldn't have more than two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's just a secondary character in the narrative. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 34. Acts chapter 4, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto everyone, every man according to his need. And Joseph, or Joseph, who by the apostles was nicknamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the Holy Ghost is moving in a certain way in Acts chapter 4 that people who own multiple houses and multiple lands begin to sell things that they have and bring the money and give it to the church. Now, you know that's a move of God. Because the apostles didn't ask for it. The Holy Ghost started moving on people. and says, yeah, you go sell that, bring it to the apostles. Now, notice something about this. This was not a, a government-mandated thing. So it's not socialism. So you can't say... See, God right here says socialism and communism is the way to go. No, the Holy Ghost moved on people's heart, and people have the choice whether to give or not. So don't let people say, see, the Bible says right here, no, it didn't. It says that they were moved, it says they wanted to give. And notice, one of the people who gave was this man named Joseph, who they nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, what does it mean, son of encouragement? They nicknamed him Mr. Encouragement. How encouraging do you have to be for the apostles to give you the nickname Mr. Encouragement? Peter saw him, said Mr. Encouragement. John's like, Mr. Encouragement. James, Mr. Encouragement. How encouraging do you have to be? That's, That's what they call you. That is your name. Now, some of us have nicknames from family members, from situations. Some of you say your nicknames in public. Some of you only acknowledge your nicknames at family reunions. And you threaten your family, don't you dare call me that on Facebook. <laughs> we all, Most of us have nicknames. But Barnabas, Joseph, was called Mr. Encouragement. That's how he's known for the rest of the narrative. Mr. Encouragement. And the first thing we see Mr. Encouragement doing is giving. Your gift can be encouragement. So how can my gift be encouragement, Pastor? If you saw the bills that I see... Your gift is an encouragement. It's like, oh, the Lord called me to give extra this week. Yes, let the Lord use you, sweetheart. It is an encouragement. But something else about Mr. Encouragement. At this point, he wasn't a minister. He wasn't a preacher. He was just an encouraging person. He was just a big giver. And through his encouraging and his giving, it positioned him for his purpose. See, your gift can get you into the place you need to be for your purpose. There's return on your giving that's greater than a financial return. It can position you for your future. Go to Acts chapter 9. Let's see some more about Mr. Encouragement. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verse 26. This is after the conversion of Saul. Saul. He was a persecutor he was a terrorist he gets saved on the road to Damascus he begins to preach the truth about Jesus and when he came to Jerusalem he wanted to join himself to the disciples but they're all afraid of him they did not believe that he was really saved they thought he is tricking us he wants to kill us all so let's stay far away from him but verse 27 but Barnabas took him and brought him to the Apostles And what did Minister Encouragement do? Declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. What was the result? And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. So they accepted him because Mr. Encouragement said something about him. But this wasn't just, okay, you can hang out with us, go when we go, come in when we come in. No, he stayed in Peter's house, Galatians 1 tells us. He stayed in Peter's house for 15 days. You have to know Mr. Encouragement was convincing that Peter says, hey, you can come bunk with me for 15 days. What happens afterwards? Saul keeps preaching. People want to kill him. So the disciples rescue him and send him out to Tarsus. And then at the end... You see in verse 31, that then the, had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, walking in the fear of the reverence of the Lord and in the comfort or the encouragement of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. One of the ways God desires to multiply this church is through encouragement. So what happens next? Go to chapter 11. See, Barnabas, or Mr. Encouragement, as an encourager could see something in Saul that the others could not see. I like what Pastor Nicole Crank says. She says, anyone can find the dirt in someone. Be the one who finds the gold. Anyone can find the dirt in someone. It's not that hard to find people's issues and their faults. You look hard enough, you're going to find some dirt. Be the one who finds the gold. Acts 11 verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So kind of got to think about this. The apostles and the leadership of the church of Jerusalem, the elders, James, who's the pastor, the younger brother of Jesus, they hear what God is doing in all these cities all the way up to Antioch. They like, say, man, it's moving. Churches are being started. Who should we send? Should we send Peter? No. Should James go? No. Should John go? No. Should Matthew go? No. Send Mr. Encouragement. That's how much confidence the Holy Ghost had in them. Send Mr. Encouragement all to these churches up to Antioch. Verse 23, who when he had came and had seen the grace of God was glad and encouraged them all. That's what the word exhorted means. So, of course, Mr. Encouragement is going to encourage everybody. That with purpose of heart they will cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man. I don't know about you, but if I lived in Bible times, I would want the Holy Ghost to write, Carrick was a good man. Think about this is a Holy Ghost compliment recorded in the Holy Scripture. The Holy Ghost moved on Luke to write, Mr. Encouragement is a good man, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. And much people were added unto the Lord because of this encouraging ministry. But he didn't stay there. You to think if it's working so well, just keep doing what you're doing. But it says he leaves for Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, mind you, he doesn't know what house Saul's staying at. says so he has to go look for him. So what does that mean? It's not even close. This is hundreds of miles away. So he goes to find Saul and goes to Tarsus and looks for him till he finds him and brings him back to Antioch. And he stays there for a whole year preaching and teaching. Although things were going great in Antioch, minister encouragement saw the need for Saul's ministry. Instead of letting him stay off in Tarsus somewhere making tents, he says, I'm going to go get him and connect him to his purpose. You see, the things about encourager, they'll see the gold in someone to help them connect to their purpose. Instead of always being focused on me, 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 me. What about my purpose? What about what I need? What about me? What about me? What about me? They stop looking at themselves, look out to see the good in others, and connect them to where God wants them to be. This is Mr. Encouragement. This is Mr. Encourager. So he goes and gets Saul, brings him there. The church begins to grow and prosper. the first time people were called Christians through this ministry of Mr. Encouragement of Saul and other prophets and teachers who were there in Antioch. And then it says prophets come up from Jerusalem, and there's one named Agabus who prophesies that there's a famine coming over the earth that happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, And says. And they decide we're going to take up an offering and take it to Jerusalem. So the church is ascended by Mr. Encouragement and Saul. So they go to Jerusalem and they stay there for a number of days, bringing the offering. But look at chapter 12, verse 25. After they finish their trip of benevolence, it says they come back to Antioch, but they take someone with them. His name is John Mark. Depending on what scholar we're after, he's either known as Barnabas' nephew or his cousin. So obviously, Mr. Encouragement saw something in his family member and knew that he needed some more training to get to his purpose. You see, God had called that entire family to the ministry because John Mark's mother was involved in the local church in Jerusalem. Well, how involved? Her house was the place everyone went to. Now, you have to know, you have to be trusted if the early church says, we're going to hang at your house afterwards. How trusted was it? When Peter got released supernaturally from jail, he went to her house. It was a large house. John Mark's mother. Some people even believe that early church even jesus went there before his ascension it was a place known to the early church so mr encouragement Saul, bring john mark back to antioch and then you get to chapter 13 verse 1 it lists all the different prophets and teachers there and they take some time to fast and spend time with the lord and minister to the lord and then as they do that the holy ghost says separate unto me barnabas And Saul, for the work unto I have called them. Now, Barnabas and Saul already knew there was a next level to their calling, but it wasn't time for them to enter into it. But when they came to this certain season, they knew something was about to happen. So they spent some extra time to pray and seek God. And the Holy Ghost said, now is the time. Now go forth and do what I've called you to do. And he gets to verse 4, it says, they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. So they begin the first missionary journey that's described in Paul's ministry. But something interesting happens in verse 13. It tells us that when they get to a certain place that John Mark leaves the team and goes back to Jerusalem. We don't know why. Maybe it got tough. Maybe it got rough. Maybe he missed home. Maybe he missed his mama's cooking. We don't know why John Mark left the team and went home. Mr. Encouragement saw so go on and have a successful missionary journey. They come back to Antioch, their home base, reconnect with their local church spend a lot of time there, and begin to grow in the things of God. And when you get to chapter 15, it says certain men came up from Jerusalem pretending like the church elders sent them. And they began to teach you can't be saved unless you're circumcised after the law of Moses. And that's a problem because this is a Greek church. It's a Grecian church. There's many Gentiles there. And so they began to say these things, and Paul and Barnabas stand up and say, no, that ain't true. That's not the Bible. That's not the truth. That's not what the Holy Ghost is saying. And they keep debating about it. He says, Look, you know, you said they sent you from Jerusalem, so let's go ask them. See, a lot of people say things that someone said, but it doesn't mean they actually said it. Let's go back to the horse's mouth. So they go back to Jerusalem. Pastor James is there. Apostle Peter is there. They have this meeting, and they begin to talk about it. And James says, we didn't send nobody. But let's settle this issue forever now. This is not required by the Holy Ghost. Here's what's required by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to write this letter, and you bring it back to the church. And to prove that I proved it, I'm going to send with you Judas and Silas. And they're going to come and encourage that church in Antioch. He says, Barnabas and Saul, you're doing a great job. We've received you. Go ahead and keep being a blessing. God's called to stay in Jerusalem. You keep taking the Gentile world. So they go back to Antioch. And something very interesting about verse 32 to me well, it says, Judas and Silas, being prophets themselves, exhorted or encouraged them in the Lord. When we think about the ministry of the prophet, we may think about revelation, which is true. We may think about seeing into the future and teaching. That's true. We may think about certain gifts of the Spirit. That's true. But apparently, according to this chapter and the Scripture, part of the ministry of the prophet is the ministry of encouragement. Because if you're really walking in that office, you're not going to be missed. Mr. Discouragement, Mrs. Debbie Downer, always prophesying something negative. It's Like, no one wants to hear what you have to say. We can already guess. Doom, judgment,
0: bad things, evil things, sickness, disease, death. Gotcha.
1: But that's not the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The ministry of the Holy Ghost will warn you about things to come. He may even check you about some things, saying if you keep going down this path, this is what you're going to run into. But because he's the encourager, it'll always come with, but if you turn, here's what's good is in front of you. Part of the ministry of the prophet is a ministry of encouragement. So what happens next in the life of Mr. Encouragement and Saul? Saul says, Paul now, he's now called Paul, says to Barnabas, Let's go back to all the churches we preached at and started, and let's see how they're doing. Let's, and let's minister to them. And Barnabas is like, that's a great idea. Let's bring John Mark with us. And Saul says, him again? He left us the first time. He's not ready. Don't bring him. Barnabas said, no, we're going to bring him. So they begin to debate and fight. Their fight and debate is so intense that they part company. They said, we can't work together anymore. We can't travel together anymore. We can't minister anymore. So the dynamic duo is split. Barnabas takes John Mark and goes back to Cyprus to begin to minister there. Paul takes Silas and begins another trip. And Barnabas leaves the narrative. But his influence doesn't. How do I know that? Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. Although Barnabas leaves the narrative, his influence on the early church does not disappear. See, God was not done with John Mark. Just because he had run off on the mission doesn't mean God was done with him. Aren't you glad God does not give up on you because you did something stupid years ago? Because you made the wrong decision, you chickened out. Aren't you glad God did not give up on you? So we see Barnabas mentoring John Mark, but then John Mark gets another mentor. First Peter five thirteen, Peter says the church that is at Babylon elected together with you, salute you. They say what's up, and so does Mark, my son. So as he's calling out the letter, he says, "Hey, Mark says, hey." But notice what he calls him. He's my spiritual son. Peter started mentoring John Mark. So not only does Barnabas, the first one who saw something in him, connect him to his purpose. Now, Peter is mentoring and pouring into him. Imagine the ministry of Peter. He walked with Jesus, and now he's pouring into him. But it didn't stop there because about 10 years later, somewhere within the 10 years of the split, Colossians 4.10 happens. Go there. Sometime within 10 years after Paul and Barnabas split, Colossians 4.10, Paul says, "Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you, and Mark, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him." So he, Paul's cloning out the letter. Aristarchus says hi. So does Mark. He may be coming your way soon. If he comes your way, receive him. Be a blessing to him. Apparently, Paul and Barnab- and Paul and John Mark reconnected. But it doesn't stop there. Paul saying something nice about him. You get to Philemon, verse 24, and Paul says, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So John Mark goes from some person that Paul's like, yeah, he can't come with us, to a person, hey, he works with us together. But that wasn't it. You get to 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, near the end of the Apostle Paul's life, he says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. That word profitable means useful, meet for use, or easily used. Think about it this way. You're easily used by God. So God can do things through you instead of in spite of you. So John Mark starts as someone who runs away and becomes someone that's easy for God to use. And he says, Paul says, bring him. I'm at the end of my life. Bring him. He's easy for God to use. I need to see him because Paul's writing to Timothy, I'm going home soon. I want you to come, but make sure you bring Mark so I can see him before I die. Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on us? But see, that was not even the end of John Mark's ministry. See, something happens with John Mark even after Barnabas dies, after Peter dies, after Paul dies. See, when John Mark spent some time with Peter... Peter began to tell him stories about walking with Jesus. And depending as you study, John Mark was probably there for some of the stories because he was a young man or a kid when it happened. And John Mark begins to write down the things Peter says. And the Holy Ghost uses him to write the first gospel, the gospel of Mark. But the thing is, it's great what Paul did. It's great what Mark did. But neither of them could have done it if it wasn't for Mr. Encouragement. Mr. Encouragement saw the gold in each of them and helped connect them to their purpose so the Holy Ghost can use them. Without Mr. Encouragement, we would not have any of the Pauline epistles or the gospel according to Mark. Not only would that generation have suffered, we would have missed out on Revelation today if it wasn't for Mr. Encouragement. He said, well, God could have done many different things to get them there. Yeah, but he chose to use Mr. Encouragement. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is an encourager. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's wrap this thing up. God wants us overflowing in encouragement. If it wasn't for Mr. Encouragement, we could have missed out on roughly two-thirds of the New Testament. Encouragement is powerful. And God wants to use you to bring encouragement to others. He wants you to be known as an encourager. 1 Samuel chapter 30, first one, I want you to imagine the situation. David and his men come back from a victorious battle, a victorious situation. They get closer to their home, and they see smoke rising. They're like, oh, what is that burning? It's kind of close to home. They get closer. They see flames leaping up. What is on fire like that? And they get to Ziklag, their base of operation, their home. And the entire city has been set on fire. They go to try to find their family, their wives, their kids. Everyone is gone. No trace from them. The Am- Amalekites have attacked and taken everybody. David and his men began to weep as they cried until there was no more tears left. This is the distressed, the depressed they're ain't one of the worst situations you can imagine. But it gets worse because now the men who says, let's kill David. Now, you got to think, before these men had David as their leader, they were distressed, depressed, in debt. No one wanted anything to do with them. But they came out to David, and David became a captain over them, Scripture said, and got them to the place where they were men of substance, men of means, and family men. But now, in this depression and this discouragement, they say, let's kill David. So now David could be even more discouraged. He says, not only is my family gone, not only is my city gone, all the people who are supposed to have my back want to kill me. He could stay discouraged. He could say, woe is me. No one has ever had it as rough as me. I thought God was going to bless me. He anointed me through Samuel, the prophet, and I served him. Now Saul wants to kill me. Saul did all these things, but I took down a giant. I've been fighting in the Lord's battles. Now all the people are for me want to kill me, and my family is gone. Woe is me. He could be feeling sorry for himself, whining and complaining and crying. But I like something Brother Copeland says. He says, self-pity brings discouragement. Self-pity brings discouragement. And see, some of us don't just like to have self-pity for ourselves. We like to call other people and share our self-pity to get them to agree with our discouragement. To say, yep, you have a right to be discouraged. Yep, yep, no one has had as bad as you. Stay depressed. That's what David could have done. But he did something in verse 6 that we all have to learn to do. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, the thing is, when you learn to encourage yourself and you stay in a place where you can keep receiving the encouragement of the Holy Ghost and you sow encouragement, you'll reap encouragement, what happens? One day you'll be full of encouragement. And what happens when you become full of encouragement? One day you'll overflow encouragement. But in order to get to that place, you have to learn how to encourage yourself. Here's what you got to do every day. You can't just stay in bed going, oh, I can't get up today. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's Monday. Who in the world likes Mondays? (laughs) Whoa, what's going on? Whoa, it's me. I'm so tired. Or I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. I am more than a conqueror. him that loves me I am an overcomer greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world God is on my side what can man do unto me I have no reason to fear the Lord is my light and salvation the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. The favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. The favor of God goes before me, causes men and women to go the way daily to bless me in every way possible. The favor of God goes before me, that causes my harvest come unto me speedily. I have favor with God, man, and government. I have favor with everyone I meet. All grace is abounding towards me. I have all sufficiency and all things. I abound to every good work. I have. The wisdom from above that is pure, that is not selfish. The greater ones in me, I can do all things. The angels of the Lord encamp about me, protect me, assist me, go forward and fight my battles. I don't get to a place where my favor hasn't touched, I don't get to a place that my angels haven't gone to, I don't get to the place that the Holy Ghost hasn't prepared for me. What you just do, you encourage yourself. You got to do that every day. Because if you keep encouraging yourself and encouraging yourself and encouraging yourself, you get filled. And then when you go throughout your day, you can release some encouragement. You can take from whatever level of encouragement you have, you can go begin to pour it out on people. But see, the thing is, David encouraged himself in the Lord, and the Lord told him, Here's where they are. Go get them. You will recover all. They go back and fight. There's not one loss of life. They recover everything and everyone. That's a good end to the story, but that's not where the story ends. Because when you get to the next chapter or the next book, a few days later, three days, David is king over Israel. Satan tried his worst attack a few days before David entered into his purpose. David had been working on this for 13 years. At the beginning of the week, it looked like he was done for. But by the end of the week, he was called king. See, you can't let discouragement get you down. You can't let your circumstances keep you down. You don't realize that right on the other side of your discouragement is the kingdom. Right on the other side of your depression is your breakthrough. Right on the other side of your circumstance is your purpose. You can't let what has gets you today hold you down. You have to learn to encourage yourself with the Lord and keep going forward because the best is in front of you. Your, your focus every day is my best is yet to come. The glory of the lighter house will be greater Than the glory of the former house I will not be defeated I will not quit I've come too far I'm not giving up now I will go forward I will press toward the mark Of the high calling Of the anointing on Jesus and his anointing Hell can't stop me Satan can't stop me Haters can't stop me I'm going forward Satan you tried it But watch me now. You should have taken me out when you had the chance, but you couldn't. Watch me now. You have to realize what's on the other side of this pressure. You have to realize what's on the other side of this storm. You get to the other side of the storm, you make saying, wish he never messed with you in the first place. You become like what Jesse says, you become too expensive for Satan to mess with. Because you begin to understand, I'm not just getting through, I'm getting through and I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get double for my trouble. I'm going to get seven times with the enemy store and all the things in his storehouse. I am going to get my harvest. But you can't get your harvest if you give up. You have to encourage yourself. You got to stir up the gift on the inside. And you got to do it every day. Well, how often every day? As often as you need encouragement. Now, think about this. Growing up, I like strawberry milk. So you would take either the liquid or the powder, and you put it in there, and you would stir it up. But if you left it alone and came back to it, it would sink to the bottom. And drinking it after this is not as good as when it's stirred up. So how often do you need to stir it until you drink it all? So how often do you stir yourself up until you're overflowing with encouragement? It's not room for you to always be depressed and discouraged and whining. Be encouraged. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Understand that you are a champion, that you are a winner. You are born again to win, not born again to lose. You're filled with the Spirit of God. You're filled with the encourager himself. So grow in encouragement. So here's your homework for this week. Every day when you wake up, ask God for words of encouragement to give to others. Ask for words of encouragement for that storehouse that you can pass out on this earth. And look for opportunities to encourage people. And when God tells you to encourage them, just say it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just say what he gives you to say. And say it with a smile. Don't go, well, your best days are yet in front of you. God is good. He's gonna be good to you. <sighs> it's gonna be okay. You're gonna make it, no? Because they ain't gonna even believe you, believe what you're saying. <laughs> Say it with a smile. So well, what's a good example of an encourager today? Pastor Joel Osten. Amen. Say it with a smile like he does. Have you ever noticed in his ministry he's always encouraging people? Yes. Why, that's what God called him to do. So people criticize him for encouraging people. How twisted have we got that you criticize people because they have hope? I don't believe why he's that happy. Why does he have that much hope? Why is he so positive? He must never ran into life. Why? He's fulfilling his role as the Holy Ghost gave him as an encourager. So he goes and encourages people. You can't listen to him more than a couple hours and leave not encouraged. Why? He has taken his position by the Holy Ghost as an encourager. And so I went to one of his meetings when he came to Atlanta a few years ago. And when he got to the altar call, there were thousands, I mean, thousands of people who got saved to the point that I was like, did more people get, how many non-believers were in this place? (laughs) I think there are more unbelievers than believers. And so I'm looking around. I go back and talk to the staff. And I said, is this normal? I said, yeah, it happens all the time. So they quietly go around smiling, preaching hope. He says, my purpose is to sow seeds of hope. He knows his purpose, so he operates in it. And tens of thousands of people get saved. While he smiles and talks to them about their best life. Talking about how much Jesus loves them. And the Holy Ghost encourages people into the kingdom of God. You don't have to. Be Pastor Joel or Pastor Victoria to be an encourager. The same Holy Ghost who works through them is in you. So encourage people this week with a smile on your face. Live in expectation of the goodness of God.
0: Love people well this week. Encourage them. Because as you sow encouragement, you're going to reap encouragement. And you're going to overflow with encouragement. And this is part of the way to live in the overflow. Stand to your feet. Go ahead,
1: let's lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for your grace and your wisdom. We thank you, Holy Spirit, great encourager, for living on the inside of us, for being patient with us, for being merciful to us. Help us this week to live this word in Jesus' name.
0: this Christian life if you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart we believe you've been born again we ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com that's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today have an amazing day